0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes North America. This week's episode of the Pardes Parsha Podcast features Aviva Lauer and Rabbi Michael Henn on Parshat Reh. To download the most recent episode of the Pardes Parsha Podcast, please visit elmod.pardes.org. And now, Aviva Lauer and Rabbi Michael Henn. Welcome, everyone. This is the Pardes... Parsha podcast from Jerusalem. It's, my name is Michael Hatton. I'm here with
1: Aviva Lauer.
0: And we are going to be discussing this week's Parsha, which is Parshat Re'eh. We have been following the last few Parshiot, and we've noted a couple of themes that I just want to reiterate before we begin our discussion on this week's Parsha. Obviously, the challenge that looms before the people of Israel at this time is their imminent entry into the land and that is going to introduce them to all sorts of uh, trials. Some of them we've talked about. The idea of bringing the tribes together and creating some sort of a more national identity. Uh, the Canaanite polytheism and idolatry that's obviously inimical to their vision of ethical monotheism, et cetera, et cetera. So there's an awful lot of challenges that the people of Israel will face even as Moshe tries to inspire them and to encourage them, at the same time warning them of what lies ahead. So this week's parsha introduces us to this idea of God having a place where the people will bring their sacrifice. In contrast to the Canaanites that have shrines in every location, the people of Israel are told to have one location, the particular verse that we're looking at today is in chapter 12, verse number 5, and it says in the original, "Ki'im im el hamakom asher yivchar Hashem to the place that God will choose from among all of your tribes only to that place, La mit shemosham, that place where He will place His name, uvat <speaking in Hebrew> seek out His presence, and there you shall go and bring all the sacrifices, etc. That will be the central shrine where the people of Israel will worship. So I think, Aviva, what's kind of um, maybe curious to us is that where we stand at this point in Jewish history, it's very clear what this place is.
1: Yes, we're, we're sitting in it, we're here in Jerusalem that's the
0: place. So Jerusalem is the place and obviously in Jerusalem the temples were built. We just actually marked Tisha B'Av. We're now talking about in the Haftarot of Isaiah that will stretch all the way till Rosh Hashanah. Prophecies of consolation, redemption, restoration, and Jerusalem looms really large in that material. Mm -hmm. And as you said, here we are today in the place that God will choose.
1: So you know, when we, when we talked before about what we wanted to focus on for this podcast episode, um, and you, you raised this idea of, um, hamakom uh, asher yifchar, the place that God will choose. To me, it, you know, in my mind, I had this sort of mathematical equation going where it says hamakom asher yifchar, the place that God will choose equals Jerusalem. It's so obvious to me. It's so. It's something that we were steeped in. Every time I've read, you know, we've read these parshiot all the over all the years of our lives. I'm reading it, and I'm just inserting the word Jerusalem every time it says you have to go to the place that God will choose. I just say you have to go to Jerusalem. But
0: which which makes perfect sense,
1: right, I for know. us. But going back to the original and really trying to strip away that. Um, that knowing, you know, that, that, that understanding and trying to put ourselves back in either Moshe's mind or in the mind of the people listening to him. What I think, you know, the question that you raised, which is such an important one, wh- why does it keep repeating? Why does Moshe keep repeating the place that God will choose, the place where God will choose? It's, it's, it's clumsy even. What, what's, why does, why does, why doesn't he just say Jerusalem?
0: So, I, I think, you know, what you're pointing out, Aviva, is that we have this phrase that it's introduced for the first time now. Yeah. But it's going to become a mainstay of the rest of the Torah. Whenever Moshe is going to uh, indicate something about the worship of God in the new land, it's going to be associated with this phrase, which is just uh, sort of incredibly generic rather than focusing on a particular location. I'll just point out you know, as the story unfolds in the Tanakh. So Yerushalayim will eventually be chosen. And then it's going to remain the centerpiece, right? There will be, you know, 700 mentions of Jerusalem, more or less, in the Hebrew Bible, which, you know, sort of cements its place for us and our identity. And yet here, curiously, nothing. Hmm. Just the place that God will choose. So that's kind of what we're wondering about um, today.
1: Yeah, I have to just, um, you know, in, add here, I named my son after Jerusalem. I mean, for me, this place is the, the place. It is my Makom. His name is Shalem, which is the original name, um, traditionally believed to be the original name of Jerusalem, Shalem, Yerushalem. And it had to do with us wanting to move to Jerusalem so badly that we named him that. So for me, thinking about, you know, this, this question, of why Jerusalem? Yes, Jerusalem. Are we sure Jerusalem? Is that what Moshe meant? It's a, it's a. I wouldn't say it's a fraught one, but it's a, it's a special one for me.
0: Wow. So now that you mentioned it, uh, Shalem, your son's name, it does occur in the Torah back in Genesis, right? In in Breishit, uh, mm-hmm. chapter fourteen. And Malkitzedek is the king of Shalem, and he comes out to greet Avraham after his successful campaign against the kings. So you're right. I mean, really, Jerusalem, or at least Shalem, enters our consciousness early in the story. But,
1: but n- not in a clear, obvious way. There's no one saying Shalem equals Yerushalayim, and that's the place that God will choose. Right. So
0: yeah. Okay, good. Um, So maybe we'll begin with sort of a more technical answer to this question. Um, The Chizkuni, who is a French commentary associated with Rashi School, basically says in very simple terms, for us, Jerusalem is the place, but we mustn't forget that there were a whole series of other places that preceded Jerusalem. Remember that the people of Israel, at this point in their story, have God's presence in the form of a Mishkan, which is a portable building, and it moves with them wherever they journey. When they cross the Arden, it will be based in a place called Gilgal. From there it will move to Shiloh, towards the end of the Book of Joshua. Shiloh will be destroyed by the Philistines at the beginning of the Book of Samuel, and then the tabernacle will be relocated to Nov and to Giv'on, and it's only after a very long process that it will reach Jerusalem when Shlomo builds the temple. I guess David chooses Jerusalem as the capital. Um, Let's put it this way. The Book of Kings reports that Shlomo builds the temple 480 years after the exodus from Egypt.
1: Right. I was going to say it's around 300 or 400 years. So yes, 480, sure.
0: Okay. so that means means there's like a, a lot of stops along the way. Yeah. And the Chizkuni says, therefore, Listen, that's, that's why we're talking about HaMakom HaShayiv HaR Hashem and not Jerusalem, because it's not Jerusalem yet, I guess. Right. So it's other locations that are going to be uh, included in this phrase of HaMakom uh, HaShayiv HaR Hashem.
1: Yeah, I can, I can see that. And, and I can also actually imagine, I can imagine a few scenarios. One of them being that Moshe does know it's Jerusalem, or Moshe doesn't know it's Jerusalem. Let's go with the doesn't know first. I mean, how would he know, right? Okay, fine, yes, he's an Nevi and all that. But let's say God knows in, in, in God's consciousness, but Moshe doesn't necessarily know. And so he, he just keeps saying the place that God, the same way that when God says to Abraham, go to the place that I will show you, um, God knows what, what it is, but it, it's maybe not important at this point. So Moshe, maybe it's not important for him to say. I mean, the people, they don't know what Jerusalem is. What do they care, right? Yeah. So maybe he doesn't know, or maybe he does know. But in either case, if he tells them it's Jerusalem, that already brings up tribal issues, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it's... it's the Pasuk that you read, where this phrase begins, the, the, where this phrase is said for the first time.
0: Yeah,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. Right? It's the place that God will choose, the place from within the places of all your tribes. It's very clear, I think, to Moshe. And it will soon become even more clear to Joshua and then to the team afterward that there's a lot of potential strife between the different tribes. So if Moshe announces now, it's going to be right here in between the tribe of Benjamin and Judah. Um, What is the Ephraim tribe going to say? What is Don going to say? Right? There is a lot of potential fighting that's going to go on. So maybe he's purposely concealing it so that Nobody knows where it is and nobody starts fighting now because as you said before, we're looking for unity. We're desperate for unity. This is not the thing to bring up.
0: That's a really beautiful idea. I mean, I think that ultimately when Jerusalem will be chosen by David, it will be a move that does unite. But you're right at this point in the story to sort of announce a particular location actually could be really, really divisive and counterproductive to what we're trying to do, which is to begin the process of fostering unity.
1: Later on, when Shlomo, when King Solomon, does build the temple and he inaugurates the temple, he says something interesting in um, one of his um, inaugural speeches there, and he says, "Min haYom," he's quoting God, "Min haYom Asher hotzeti from the day that I took my people Israel out of Egypt, lo beir." Mikol Shifte Yisrael, leave not I did not choose a city from all the tribes of Israel to build a home, for my name to be there. Right? He's acknowledging there was no place. He did not choose a place. It was not, it was not in the back of his mind, it wasn't something that he was going to spring upon them at some point. He had not chosen it. Only, the rest of the Pasuk says, the Evchar be David, Liyot Alami Yisrael. Once I chose David to be the king over my people, this is the place where David. This is his tribe is Judah, right? It makes total sense for it to be where it is, it's based on the person. It wasn't there. They and David, as you said, was the one who. Um, really united the tribes. And only when there is a uniter could there be a, uh, a place where people would not fight over.
0: So wow, really what you're saying is on some level, uh, as much as God chooses, human beings also play a critical role in this process of, yeah. of defining the location for God's presence in ancient Israel. Yeah, um, That's kind of a beautiful segue for the Ramban, the Nachmanides, um, the 13th century Spanish commentary, who basically focuses our attention on a slightly different phrase in the verse, right? It is the place that God will choose from all of the tribes to place his name there. The verse concludes, the Sheikhno Tidvishu Shama, seek out his presence, his Shekhinah, and go to that place. And the Ramban has this absolutely beautiful idea where he says that one of the essential qualities of the house of God is not simply that it's the location that God chooses or that God imposes, but that we actually seek it out. We're on a journey, the Ramban says, as he puts it, we go from Eretz Mer Chakim, from distant lands, and we ask, where is the way to the house of God? Each one saying to his fellow, quoting Isaiah, let us go up to the mountain of God, to the house of the Lord of Yaakov. And the Ramban says, this is sort of like a central theme in the temple idea, which is that human beings actually have to take um, a central role in selecting the location. So it's not simply a divine imposition, but actually something that human beings take an active role. That's what you're saying about David. That's essentially what David did um, in a very, very... Uh, emphatic way, taking the initiative, determining the location, declaring his capital and, and laying the groundwork for for building this this place where God will choose.
1: I mean it, Abar Benel says exactly that very clearly, right? It was da- because of David, via David, by way of David, that the city Jerusalem was chosen to be the capital. It was really about him and what his you know, his movements were. I, when you were reading the Ramban, I was sort of just imagining in my mind's eye, this is so Ramban-like, meaning in his life, right? You go from distant lands and you come and you're looking for, didn't, isn't that what happened to the Ramban, that he came to Absolutely. Jerusalem or he came to the land of Israel at yeah, the very end of his life? He did trying to fulfill this in some way.
0: Yeah. So that and you might you might even say that's been sort of an aspiration of the Jewish people for thousands of years to seek out to find to take the initiative um to somehow locate God's place in space. Um so very much I mean I think what the Ramban is sort of introducing to the discussion is that that there is an incredible um, I guess, dynamic of partnership, which is which is taking shape here. And maybe that's why God doesn't announce the place, right? Because God is basically saying, as much as it will be the place that I will choose, but you're going to have to choose it too. Hmm.
1: Right? Yehuda Amichai, um, who I, you might say was the poet laureate of Jerusalem, um, unofficially, uh, of the, the end of the 20th century, in his book, Open, Closed, Open, has a chapter called Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Why Jerusalem? And there are a series of, of short poems asking that question, why of all places Jerusalem? And each each poem has a different city that it says, why not New York? Why not Babylon? Why not London? Why not San Francisco? And he goes through those, those reasons. So I'll, I'll, the first one is, why not New York? With her buildings on high and burrows down below and tunnels and lower depths from which to call out O oh Lord, out of the depths have I cried unto thee? Why Jerusalem? Why me? Why not Athens, Egypt, Mexico, India, Burma? The temples are already there. The domes gilded, the pillars in place. So he's asking in this particular piece, why if, why not be in a place where there is history of religion, you know, where there is... There are great ziggurats or there are great domes. Why, why are we starting in this place? That's kind of empty in a certain sense.
0: Wow. So does he answer the question?
1: Well, he does in the last, in the last (laughs) number 25, he says, why Jerusalem? Why me? Why not another city, another person? Once I stood at the western wall when suddenly a flock of startled birds soared up, shrieking and flapping their wings like bits of paper with wishes scribbled on them, wishes that flew out from between the massive stones and ascended on high. I hear this and I think, those other places, New York, India, whatever, those places are already established. But I hear in this last poem, Jerusalem, then and now, it's a place of potential. It's a place of wishing, of praying, of hoping for what will be. And there's something so special about this place that is aspirational. Wow.
0: That's, that's a fantastic summary, I think, to this discussion of Eva. Thank you so much for joining me in discussing this week's Parsha. And uh, Shabbat Shalom to everyone.
1: Thank you and Shabbat Shalom.
0: Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episode of the Pardes Parsha podcast.